Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That blessing is the greeting, the beginning of a letter that's been forwarded to us from nearly 2,000 years ago. The first recipients were living in the bustling trade city, rich city of Ephesus, located on the peninsula of Asia Minor, just across the Aegean Sea from Athens. The letter was addressed by Paul to the Ephesians. It's called a general letter because it wasn't speaking of a specific issue or specific problems that the Ephesians had, but more about all the things that Christians have contended with over the years. But this letter to the Ephesians has landed in our laps this morning, and as usual, it is chock full of the gospel. On pages one and two, the Apostle Paul assures us that we are adopted children of God through Jesus Christ, that we are redeemed, forgiven, marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit, who is the one who has given us this letter into our hands today. Paul continues in this letter with a prayer that we all will continue to grow in the grace of God. And the heart of God's grace is the gospel, the good news that we are saved by grace every day, that our works, our deeds, even our best works and deeds are not what redeem us. Rather, we are created and redeemed for good works. Then Paul speaks directly to what he calls walls, beliefs and customs and laws that put some people on one side of a wall separated from the people on the other side. Now, you know, as a cradle Lutheran, I have to put something Lutheranish in all of my sermons, so here we go. <laughs> in the Lutheran Study Bible, we read that a note on this text that reminds us that the temple in Jerusalem had walls, physical walls, that separated the males from the females. And trespassers who dared to cross this line to walk around the wall or to even look over it would be punished. But Jesus, Paul tells us, by his life and death and resurrection, has made possible the tearing down of these walls, which we now call racism, sexism, social class, culture, language, LGBT, uh, issues, the things that prevent us from loving and caring for neighbors and those who are identified among us with the words aliens and strangers and foreigners. And in this reading, Paul tackled one of the biggest walls that took this new community of believers, believers who came from many places, many people who had no background in any faith, people with all kinds of opinions about all kinds of things, but we don't know what that's about, do we? All those opinions, and, but Paul did, and he knew that that would 
be a condition that lasts through time. So Paul got right to the heart of this issue, dealing with something that had been mandatory forever for Jewish males. In Judaism, the ritual of circumcision was a sign, an affirmation of the ancient covenant that God had made so long ago with the Israelites. Now, Paul had been raised in the Jewish faith, and he knew that settling the question about whether or not Gentile males could be full members of this new blended faith without this ritual, that it was way beyond important that they dealt with it. Because decisions about who was on which side of the wall, which side of the wall was right and which seemed not to be, these decisions would shape the early believers' lives, their descendants' lives, us, and how the gospel of Jesus Christ would be shared from then on. So to speak to the problem, Paul addressed the Ephesians saying this, Jesus is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility among us, and created one humanity in place of two. Through the cross, you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. El Salvador is the most populous country in Central America. Its name means Republic of the Savior. It was colonized in the mid-1500s by Spain and has a long history of struggles between the indigenous people and the colonizers and their descendants. And these arguments, these struggles, have always been about who is on a proper side of the wall. The people who had the most power in terms of um, position and wealth on one side and the indigenous people on the other side who simply wanted their fair share of land, enough to farm and make a living, who wanted to worship in peace and be secure in their basic human rights. In the 70s, 1970s and 80s, some of you may well remember, there were people who were committed to breaking down that wall and people were determined to make the wall even taller and stronger and used increasingly violent means in order to do so. In 1977, the parish priest, Oscar Romero, was elected to be the Archbishop of Salvador. Now, he didn't want that job. He was comfortable in his life the way it was as a scholar and a person who was known for doing his best for avoiding all conflict. But Romero had been called and he obeyed. It didn't take long before this quiet conciliatory priest, and we remember he was always first a priest, recognized the victimization of the indigenous people for what it was and stood with them as they continued to protest. 
among the many ugly things that he witnessed, he saw thousands of bodies of the disappeared people. And then when his friend, another priest, Father Rutilio Grande, was assassinated for standing on one side of that wall with those who simply wanted to farm and be free, that was a turning point for Romero, and he refused to stand on his so-called right side of the wall and spoke about it openly, for which he was arrested and beaten. When he was released from prison, it hadn't made him weaker in his stand, it made him stronger. And he continued to use his pulpit and his position to preach the way of nonviolence and equal rights for others. But he finally went too far, and on September 24th of 1980, Archbishop Oscar Romero was gunned down, murdered as he celebrated at the altar. A biographical film about Romero was released by a Jesuit community in 1989. Raul Julia, born and raised Roman Catholic, played the priest's part and was changed by his experience in that film. Julia's faith in the freedom of the gospel, the casting off of chains, of the value of every life became the focus for him as he advocated to break down the walls that blocked the gospel and diminished people. It was as if, I thought, as if he'd been sitting beside the Apostle Paul as Paul wrote that letter to us and to the Ephesians. This film was so powerful that Julia was often interviewed about what it really meant to him to play that part and to be involved in that struggle. And he would say, it is no longer you or I, rather it is you and I. Julia continued his advocacy until his death from cancer in 1994. And if you want to see the film, you can find it by simply putting in Netflix or whatever you use at home. And it's simply called Romero. The church could be called a living lab, and that's what this film was about. We confess our faith. Together, we imagine, we experiment, we acknowledge how we might have done better with something and how we might do better the next time. And we try again and again, and we pray for guidance we commit to listening to each other and encouraging each other to step out into the world, committed to telling the good news and being the good news. William Shakespeare wrote many of his plays and other things uh, about the same time that the King James Bible was being uh, written and printed. And so sometimes Shakespeare and the Bible can sound a lot alike. And in intent, I think that is true as well. And Shakespeare wrote that one aspect of our faith formation is to discern the powers and abilities that the Holy Spirit has given us, and then to share that power 
and give away those gifts because we will never run out of them. It is what the Apostle Paul commended to the Ephesians as he did to us, our siblings in Christ, who are living now in this time in the same way, in many ways, with first centuries, the Ephesians. Did you know that not too long ago, maybe 150 years or so, that pastors were encouraged, often told, that they must preach for hours at a time? Just think about it for a minute. Well, sermon time could be so lengthy that ushers had to be given feather dusters, like, not like this one, but I swear it's clean because I never use it. <laughs> but the uh, ushers were given feather dusters so that they would go, go around and tickle the noses of people who had, had fallen asleep. Now, I'm pretty sure that no feather dusters were needed last Sunday on our celebration, our Aloha Sunday. I want to take a few minutes to share what was partly, particularly meaning for me last week. First, I want to say something about the music. We had our ukuleles, and I think often one or two ukulele gents who were played played and sang their hearts out for us. Um, we've been listening to these great singers for a long time as they've led us in worship when we could not sing out loud ourselves because of COVID. And I want to thank you for that, for the work that you've put in. And as always, uh, we must thank Sammy Tucker for her artistry. For her artistry and her commitment to share the gospel through music. And um, I just want to say one more Lutheran-ish thing. And that is about 500 years ago, Martin Luther said, next to the word of God, Music deserves the highest praise. He taught that music is a proclamation of the gospel. And the word proclamation brings me to saying how grateful I am that Susan helped us reach across walls of time and culture by acquainting us with so many Hawaiian customs and with two people that I would like to mention again. Queen Liliu Okalani, as best I can do, the last of the Hawaiian monarchs, an Anglican who counseled her people to resist the all-too-human temptation to violently and vengefully act out against those who had entered her rule, simply taken over and put her in jail for some time and tried to make remake Hawaii in their own interests, many of them American industrialists. She was steadfast in her commitment to counsel her people for nonviolence, and we remember her for that brave stance. And we met another person, uh, another 
uh, native Hawaiian, a Christian, Eddie Aikuo, who became known as Eddie Will Go. And he was known for that because he would go when other people wouldn't in order to save people, no matter the cost to him, a cost which was finally his life, which he gave in order to carry people to safety on land from a stormy sea. And all the components of the Eucharistic meal were, were there as they always are. The sacrament was solidly in place, but with some fresh expressions, reminding us that the meal is meant to be portable and that there should be no walls blocking the way for anyone who comes to Jesus' table, set, as one of my friends says, by the one who loves by all, beyond all imagination. And I'll, it's not polite to point, but I'm going to point at Ansley and say it's so wonderful to get to know her, our sibling in Christ who is sharing her talents and caring for us as St. Christopher's associate. I loved seeing people's entire faces. And I was relieved that I could actually recognize most of them <laughs> and even remember their names. I was so happy about that. The day for me was a celebration of all of us as God's beloved children, of all of us being together again, hugging each other and smiling and praying and breathing aloha, sharing the peace of Christ, which has the power now for us to break down the walls today as Jesus' peace has always been able to do. If I were to sum it up in one sentence, I would say that last Sunday was a healing service for me. August 15th, let me go ahead and August 15th is Rally Day here at St. Christopher's. It's another festive day when each of us will have opportunities to say thank you by serving in some capacity as we lean into activating faith and tangibly re recommit ourselves to ushering in the kingdom of God in our neck of the woods. So I encourage you and myself to consider the gifts that God has given us, individually and together. Gratefully confessing at the same time that we are not saved by these works, no matter how wonderful they are, but that instead we are redeemed, created to do good works. There will be folks at the tables in, par in the parish hall to help us consider how we can and will serve, so I urge you to give that some thought and some prayer. As William Shakespeare said so wisely about that one aspect of our discernment, our faith formation, is to discover the power and abilities that we have now to break down walls, to share the power of the Holy Spirit and give away our gifts, as our correspondent, the Apostle Paul, commends us. Father Michael Judge was a Franciscan priest who was also the chaplain to the New York City Fire Department from 1992 on until his death 
on 9-11-2001. When he heard the noise of the planes and the buildings collapsing, he left his own home and went immediately to that place, knowing that he had been called as a priest to be with the people, to speak love to them, to speak God's peace to them, to pray with them, to minister as he was able to each person that he uh, came across. He went into the tower, the South Tower, without hesitation, and that's where he did his ministry that day. But as some of you know, he was the first certified fatality of the day, and he was carried out by firefighters um, on a chair, an improvised kind of pallet. And we have a picture of that. You can probably look that up as well. Father Michael Judge has become um, representative, like Romero and Queen Liliokalani and Eddie Wilgo. He has become a figure of the, with those uh, who gave their all, who lived out their faith, who not only spoke the gospel with words, but with their own bodies. There's a prayer that Father Michael wrote that I use often, and I think it would help each one of us to pray it daily, as Father Michael Judge did, so that we can be the hands and feet and the compassionate heart of God. So I'd like us to pray that together, and some of you know it and pray right along. Some of you don't know it, and I'll give you time to repeat each line of this petition after me. Lord, take me where you want me to go. Let me meet who you want me to meet. Tell me what you want me to say. And keep me out of your way. And the congregation says, Amen.